Key, I'm back. Okay. You were also reminding me of a... So I read this in 2010, and there was a book about that same time um, called All Things Shining. And so it... So, like, I'm having a couple thoughts, but, like, one thing is... So... God is whatever a, a society holds as an ideal. You know, whether it's it's a, a story. It, it's the thing that society upholds and then uses as their their shining beacon. And so it could be like a literal god or a play or, you know, a whole body of literature or whatnot. Um, did I lose you? No, I'm here. I'm just... Okay, yeah. Um, so, um, so it's interesting because you can see how right now if if our culture believes in anything it's like star wars and marvel like those are the things that we're using in a joseph campbell mythological sense but i don't know if it also shows that we're superficial and there's there's not a lot of depth to what our culture believes you know it's like justice yeah it would seem like uh from Dostoevsky's point of view, that doesn't go deep enough, you know? It's still not... Like, even Peterson talks about that, Jordan Peterson, just in a recent talk, and he got some criticism about this, is his idea, his idea of, of God being, yeah, just kind of this made-up ideal, right? Um, and a necessary ideal because... Um, it helps the psychology of the nation or, or of the people, right? So you have this highest ideal. Um, and so Dostoevsky's, yeah, he's talking about ideal, but he, not in the same way. Like he's talking about this transformative image, right? That's, that's this living image that changes your life, your, like this deep faith. Um, and so it's not something that you can just um, concoct, right? Um, and I think that's the big difference, you know. Like, yeah. Um, to compare this with Nietzsche, right? Like, so Nietzsche, what is it? Um, he comes across Dostoevsky's um, book in a. Uh, in, in it was actually. Um, it was actually uh, Notes from Underground, the first one that he came across, right? And just trying to find out when it was, like comparatively late. He found a uh, um, he found a copy of it in French. He started to read it, and then just a sec, I'll try to find exactly what he's saying. Um. Yeah. Okay. He says, uh, yeah, Nietzsche, Nietzsche wrote to Overbeck about his accidentally, accidental discovery of Dostoevsky in a bookstore 
where he had chanced upon a French translation of that work. And he said, my joy was extraordinary. Um, and then he wrote afterwards in Twilight of the Idols, the testimony of Dostoevsky is relevant to this problem. Dostoevsky, the only psychologist, incidentally, from whom I had something to learn, he ranks among the most beautiful strokes of fortune in my life, even more than my discovery of Stendhal. Um, so I think it with Nietzsche, um, and the, yeah, this is discovery, uh, 1887. So around, around that time, like in the eighties, 1880s. Um, so he's with Nietzsche, his own view of things, like he accepts this idea of the death of God, right? Which is a, the state of complete nihilism, um, we're all, existing. but that's like rationality winning. Cause yeah, well, that's what he, but that's his idea of God. Like that's the idea of God at that time is, is, is not, uh, is the idea of the deists idea of God, right? Like, which is the God of rationality, right? Like the God, um, ruling over a rational universe, like the, the, the deist image of the, the clockmaker, right? Who stands, yeah stands above the universe and just winds the clock every once in a while, right? And so that is the God that dies. And so, but because of the death of God, Nietzsche realizes that there's no foundation to anything in, in Western civilization. And so his own idea is we've got to replace that with, with other images. So the highest affirmations that we can think of. And so with Nietzsche, he, he comes up with the idea of the Ubermensch, like the what we're, man is is evolving towards the Superman, and this idea of eternal recurrence, like live your life as if it's going to continue, if it's going to uh, eternally re reoccur forever and ever and ever, which means that you have to completely affirm every single moment of life. Um, so he tries, he tries these different ideas. Um, as a replacement for for God, as a as a kind of a new foundation, but you have the sense that he never really found it, you know, like he never really entirely believed in his own constructions, and then he he went mad and and eventually died, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's such a it's such a huge thing. This whole thing. Um, the whole situation of so where would you i don't know did we did we get it all out or did um, we inevitably reach the point that we always reach in the book club that almost seems where the art is somehow pointing towards the ineffable <laughs> and then it becomes difficult to talk about anymore because it's reached that point where it's illuminating the like it's doing the thing that we can't do yeah it's getting beyond words <laughs> yeah yeah but, um yeah we haven't talked about the book of job yet and the relation to dostoevsky and then notes from underground also did you notice anything with that 
Well, so here's something. Here's a strange synchronicity. So, um, you probably haven't seen this. Um, all right. So one of the places in Idaho is called Moscow, and they pronounce it Moscow and not Moscow, like in Russia. Um, but I live in Boise, which is kind of the, it's the capital city, but it wasn't always the capital city, but it's, it's the biggest city now. And Moscow, um, is where the university of Idaho is. And it's a tiny little place. Um, but it was, it was a big deal a long time ago, but it's just out in the middle of nowhere. It was a land grant college and, and it was the premier university in Idaho for a very long time. Um, it, might not be. I mean, it might be the better school. There's, so there's U of I and ISU and Boise State. But um, anyway, my daughter went to U of I. She graduated, and she, and but she, you know this was her freshman year. She's living in the dorm, and then a month ago there was this super grisly murder that happened there. Um, and for 20-year-olds were murdered by knife um, in the early hours of the morning, like between, I don't know, uh, 2 and 4 a.m. But it was in a giant apartment, you know, where there were six rooms in this apartment and there were two other roommates that didn't, didn't wake up, where these four kids, there were three girls and uh, one of the girls' boyfriend was staying the night. Um, did and you say so it was, a, it was a stabbing? Yes. Okay. Like it was oh. a, a gruesome murder. And mm-hmm. like it just raises so many more questions that have been answered by the police. Like we still don't know very much about this. And so this happened uh, the week before Thanksgiving break. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe it was the weekend before Thanksgiving break. And so we actually went and got our daughter early. You know, they were canceling classes because they just don't know why this is happening. Mm. But, you know, I it made me realize that when I was younger, I definitely had this Job mentality in my mind. It's like there has to be a reason why this happened, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can't just, it doesn't, it doesn't. And so it just reminded me of like the whole Job, the whole point of Job was, you know, why is God punishing me? And I definitely thought, and this is the, something that I realized, I was kind of talking this through with Alan around that time. Because okay, and of course the this is why I was talking to Alan because the the address of the the building where these kids were murdered is one one two two King Street, mm. you know, and so that's the Alan connection. And I'm like, that's just such a weird synchronicity, Alan. I have to call you and tell you about this thing, you know, a, a King Kill kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. <laughs> When the, I was, the, just if anybody didn't catch it on the on the day of JFK's assassination, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. And and then Alan pointed out that you know one one two two is thirty three, 
Mm-hmm. And that's the 33 King Kettle. And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 totally. Um, but when I was in my 20s, I needed to believe in a universe that made sense, that there isn't just randomness, that if there, like, there's some kind of energetic thing that's going on, like, there isn't just a random serial killer out there killing people. Y- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard for me to want to exist in a in a chaotic, random universe where that can just happen. But that's is that's Leviathan, right? Like this is it is chaos and like the universe is chaotic. Well yeah, so then yeah, you're contrasting it with Job. Um where we don't Job does not know and none of uh none of the people he's talking to, including his wife in the in the book know that basically satan and god have made a deal <laughs> beyond them to see if if satan could corrupt job right and so there is an order behind it right right but, but their, in their their in their worldview job has to have done something wrong because yes. there's no way this could be happening right without and so that's kind of where a lot of the people, their mindset is, you know, the police called it like a targeted killing. And so maybe they know things that we don't. But, I mean, it could be that there's just a psychopath serial killer who killed four people and will never know anything else. Mm. But it could be that, you know, he, he stalked one of the one of the girls and the other three were just... In the way or something. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre. <clears throat> but they, because the place is Moscow, like it got me thinking about that. That like we're kind of in this Russian mode right now too, and that, <clears throat> like um, I mentioned that, I think it's the brothers Karamazov might be. One of those, one of the Dostoevsky books is directly related to Job. Yeah, yeah, I've got a <coughs> quote by this guy, Joseph Frank, who I talked to you before about this. He wrote a book, I, it's pretty famous, but it's called Dostoevsky, The Seeds of Revolt from 1821 to 1849. And he says, okay, this is Frank talking about Dostoevsky, about Job. Um, years later, when Dostoevsky was reading the book of Job once again, he wrote his wife that it put him into such a state of unhealthy rapture that he almost cried. It is a strange thing, Anya. This book this book is one of the first in my life which made an impression on me. I was then still a, almost a child. There is an allusion to this revelatory experience of the young boy in the Brothers Karamazov where Zosima is a priest recalls being struck by a reading of the book of Job at the age of eight and feeling that for the first time in my life, I consciously received the seed of God's word in my heart. This seed was one day to flower into the magnificent growth of Ivan Karamazov's passionate protest against God's injustice and the legend of the grand inquisitor. 
but it also grew into Alosha's, um, Alyosha's uh, submission to the awesomeness of the infinite before which Job too had once bowed his head and into Zosima's teaching of the necessity for an ultimate faith in the goodness of God's mysterious wisdom. It is Dostoevsky's genius as a writer to, to have been able to feel and to express both these extremes of rejection and acceptance. While the tension of this polarity may have developed out of the ambivalence of Dostoevsky's psychodynamic relationship with his father, what is important is to see how early it was transposed and projected into the religious symbolism of the eternal problem of theodicy. Theodicy is like, yeah, how does evil enter into the world? Um, when God is all-powerful and all-knowing, like how does, how does evil enter into, enter the, into the world, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's the same thing as is in Notes from Underground, like this idea of the free will, right? Um, and that's the usual, the usual answer to that is, is God. I, I'm reading this now and C.S. Lewis talks about this too. It's like uh, God created us with free will. Um, so we have the freedom to do evil things in the world, right? Um, otherwise... God would just create automatons and uh, that that would be no creation at all basically like it, if 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 just because we're robots we worship God it wouldn't mean anything right um, so God creates free will and with that free will we're able to worship God or create evil right but that doesn't mean that God himself is evil still tricky right because god knows the outcome of everything as well right so so how does that (laughs) i can't remember what it was but so jung had a certain reading of god's argument or god's actual answer to job that was different than fry's and i liked fry's better but i forget what it was you know so Jung was reading God as, you know, like, screw you, I'm, you know, like, you're tiny, and I'm strong, you know, and I'm right. Yeah, basically, like, Jung is saying that God is not, at God at that point was not psychologically developed. Um, right. And he realized that, he realized that... Um, Job was in a morally superior position than he, than God himself. Um, but it and then Jung, like and then Jung was... says, Jung says it's like the reason he was like that, that, that God was like that, is is that he had forgotten Sophia, you know, wisdom, um, and then, uh, and then it, it, he had to get back together with Sophia, and then there was like this heroes gamos of Sophia and God. And then, uh, and then Christ was sort of the uh, um, is 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 the uh, is is what's produced out of that. Like Christ comes back, and then there's the new dispensation, right? But then even Christ, to... even, even Christ is not aware until the actual um, <laughs> crucifixion, where uh, at the very end he says. God, why has hast thou forsaken me, right? And at that point, that is the point where 
Christ as God is suffering as much as Job, and therefore he becomes as conscious of Job, and then therefore God like basically individuates his own his own psychology and becomes like a, <laughs> becomes as high as Job. <laughs> then yeah, Job he went through it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then he saw it all. Like he saw it all. Uh, I think I think what uh, what Fry says is that um, yeah, Job goes through the entire biblical circuit, right? And then at the end of it, he has he has the experience of seeing um, Leviathan and Behemoth, and he's outside of it, right? He's outside of the world system, so he's no longer a part of it anymore. He's 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 escaped from history, basically. And so that's the whole point of uh, of his trial, you know. Mm. He he did not read God as as a dick like Young did. Like no, there's no. and that, so there was something that I really appreciated of his reading of it that that I didn't get until I went through his video series, which. Uh, reminded me of the kind of things that I would listen to in my underground man phase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that, <laughs> but it, it seemed like it had more substance than a lot of the, you know, like more of the, some of the Jordan Peterson kind of stuff. Where oh, for sure, it, yeah. I mean, I never, I or like like the Joe Rogan. Kind of stuff. So, so it's it's just so interesting because there's all these all these flavors and all these threads are still in play. So you can see that Kanye is becoming this strange anti-Semitic figure now. Yeah, I don't even. I haven't been following that story, so I'm I'm, I'm just thinking that I should be. But uh, like I know but he's been accused of that. I don't well, know what he's he said hanging or out with else. this this. Uh, uh, White power. I, um, how do they say that? Uh, so, so that's what's so strange about this whole time. Um, and I, actually, I wanted to. I wanted to say some thoughts out loud in regard to that, like why things are going the way they're going. But so anyway, there's there's a apparently a guy named Nick. Fuentes, who's a oh, yeah. he's a white power guy, but yeah. I don't uh, maybe white nationalist. That's how we say it now, right? Um, and he and Kanye went and had dinner with Trump recently. Oh, he but he he Fuentes went with Trump too. I heard that Kanye went with Trump, but I didn't know it was Nick Fuentes. But so well. like uh, some of these these factions are getting. Uh, platforms because they're they're getting access to trump and that it's making them seem um you know uh they're giving them credibility but apparently he was one of the january 6 rioters so there are all these different little like we're in such a momentous time mm -hmm. yeah and and he, yeah, like we like we were saying before, it's like a um, 
Yeah, when you tie that into the the Russian situation, um, right? It's like <laughs> it is Dostoevsky, right, right there, you know. Um, but like, the thought that I wanted to give voice to was so if you think of democracy like science as like a, a tool, right? And so it is. It's not anything that we believe in. It's just a tool, and it gives you... So, like, in democracy, if you have a system where here you have people living in a place, and now I'm thinking about Joyce again, and you use the tool, and you get results, and then you have... um people vote and then you have um, people that represent the people and they carry out their wishes in a in a governmental way right mm. that's democracy right right representative democracy right yeah um but if you live in a place and you believe that um if you have this fundamental belief that ultimately we're kind of this white Christian nation, mm-hmm. then you can't have people from other places move to your place and then represent you if you become the minority. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you see how that upsets like the whole mindset of what your place is? Right, right. And so as, as these different places are being represented by people from other places with different religious beliefs what does that do to your idea of who we are as a people so it's like it's so bizarre because i don't think people think they want to be white nationalists but you can't like how would you how do you have america if you don't have christian white people who are in in charge Um, america as America as America, you mean like a uh, like right. USA so it's, it's as the USA, like a, pot, but yeah. if 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 we don't have like a nice white Christian man as the senator, like how how does he not represent who we think we are? Mm. Well, there, yeah, look at even like Birth of a Nation, right? Like that was a, one of the top movies for for the longest time, you know, like. <laughs> And that's but I, there's like there's overt white nationalism and then just unconscious white nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just so fascinating to me because if democracy is merely a machine, you know, it's like uh, here are a bunch of people in a place. They vote who represents them. And all of a sudden the people that represent the populace looks like who the populace is that's subverting some idea of what the thing itself thinks it is then you have a problem and then you need to you need to take these strange actions yeah so this is this is the weird difference between um yeah, maybe the American right or the or the Western right, and then the the Russian right, um, because like yeah, people like Dugan and 
before that, Elian and these guys, hearkening back to Dostoevsky and other people like it, um, they still have this idea of, of diversity, right? Because Russia's always been diverse. It always, it's always have tons of different cultures involved. And if you listen to Putin's speeches, he's always he's always saying that it's it's a Christian nation, a Muslim nation, a Jewish nation, a Buddhist nation. Like he's he's including all these different groups into it, right? And I'm not saying I'm not I'm not trying to whitewash Russian history and and saying that that certain groups haven't been picked on by other groups, but but they still have that idea behind it that um, it's not universal, like that what we we're saying before um, that every group has their own way of looking at the world um, and being with the world. Like this whole sort of multipolar idea, right? And it doesn't depend on this Western idea of universalism or Catholicism, like in the in the general sense, right? Um, but whereas the 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 Western right still has that idea, like it has to spread everywhere, it has to be universal, right? Um, so we 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 do have to be the superior race who controls all the other race, right? Like it's it's sort of this catholic idea right still whereas in 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 russia it's like uh well you go your way i'll go <laughs> i'll go my way and we'll we'll all have our different systems of of uh government some of them will be uh more democratic some of them will be very authoritarian and reactionary but that's fine we're, we're unable to judge each other um so you have you have these two ways of looking at things and, and, and like people like Dugan put down the, the Western fascists like that, that sort of idea. They, um, Dugan, what does he say? It's, it's, it's the fourth way, right? Like beyond, beyond liberal democracy, beyond communism, beyond fascism. Um, well, that's what's so strange in trying to understand how, how Trump actually, so, like, the idea of Christianity, it's not served – it doesn't serve Christ necessarily. It serves the state in this well, – in this. Yeah, so th- so that's uh, that's Dostoevsky's Antichrist, right? Um, and Trump is that in yeah, some strange yeah, way because yeah. somehow, like, he, he doesn't represent any Christian beliefs as far as I can tell. No, but he no. – the Christians, they – He's their guy. Like he's he's the cult of personality somehow that is communicating. Like he's the answer to all <laughs> all the things <laughs> that are wrong with this country. Grab him by just, the pussy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the good good Christians slogan. Oh. But even even like uh, even Jordan Peterson, right? Like this is something that uh, I saw this interview or discussion with uh, Peterson and Russell Brand recently. And Russell Brand came down, even though they seem to be friends, right? Russell Brand came down Russell. on Peterson because um, Peterson was going after some, I don't know, some actor who became an actress or like somebody who had some, I, I oh, forget, okay. I should know. Um, some Canadian. Yeah. Um, anyways, Jordan, that was right before Jordan got uh, canned from Twitter at first. And uh, Well, so that's Russell, a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Russell, Russell, <laughs> Russell was saying like, um, 
like why why are you doing this okay why are you why are you coming after individuals like that and why are you getting sucked up in the uh the hatred of the culture war like and he he outright asks him what does following christ mean you know doesn't following christ mean that you are compassionate even to those people you don't believe in like why like Jordan, why are you doing this? You know, it's like, why are you involving yourself? And 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 it's like completely valid point. And and that makes me think, yes, he, he he's still the underground man. Jordan Peterson is still the underground man. He hasn't he doesn't have an image of Christ, you know, in the same way. Jesus, the imagination, if you want to use Blake's terms for it. Um, well, so the the strangest thing about like so. So if we're talking about like a white Christian, part of that is conservative in the sense that we still there's some sacrosanct things that we can't deny that men are men and women are women. Right. Right. And these are clearly defined things, which is interesting to me is like in the tarot, how the, you get you get this blurring and you get a merging of the two into mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like there's this thing that's happening in culture, and it's really scary for people with real solid boundaries of how things are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's not necessarily... That challenges. I, so even though you can have real progressive thinkers, like I'm thinking of uh, J.K. Rowling, like her whole mm -hmm. book is you know made it really liberating for a lot of different people um it seems like it's it's kind of like a world war ii kind of narrative with nazis and stuff instead with magicians and stuff but mm -hmm. you know a lot of different people who felt their sexuality was used as um something to in prison them found that really liberating but she herself is really threatened by the idea of people um determining who they are themselves instead of you know um say it's determinism again it's yeah well, i'm it, not a piano key i'm gonna stick my tongue out at the crystal palace and say you know two and two is five it's um but then at the kind same of. time, this is this is where it gets uh, confusing, though, because it, then it, it's it's also um, like I'm ta I'm talking about uh, like transgenderism, which leads into transhumanism in general, right? Like it's 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 also a uh, it's also the ideal of the Crystal Palace, right? Where you you take on. I'm, I'm not I'm not talking about uh, transgendered people. I'm I'm just talking about. Uh, like science in general, like you, you take on the the role of God, right? And so, you create, you become a, a kind of false creator, a, a demiurgic creation, right? I guess it depends on how you look at though. Like, so God created your soul, um, and your body is just the vessel. Yeah, and so. Yeah. But I also wonder about getting so wrapped up in your identity and what, you know, if that's a good thing anyway. But you the know, other like, point, and this is like what uh, Russell's, the point that he's making is that 
what's Christ all about? It's about compassion, right? So, so it's like, it goes back to the, the same point that Dostoevsky was making in the letter. It's like, um, Christ wouldn't burn heretics, you know? Um, yeah. Christ wouldn't a- attack transgender people, you know? You'd have compassion for them, you know? And so that's like, uh, that's kind of the bottom line, you know? It's like, the, the, um, you have compassion for people. You you try to uh, you try to sympathize with well, people. Christ wouldn't to... make them be Christians either. No, no. Yeah, he would. He he would. Well, he would. <laughs> he would. He would be an example for them. He would try to be an example for them, and he would. He would give them his wisdom if they asked for it. You know. Um, but that's yeah. That's it. Um, yeah, yeah. This whole idea of like. Uh, the Christian. This is what Nietzsche talks about too. Is like there's a, there was a for for uh, for Nietzsche there was only one Christian and that was Christ. And then Christ was um, the idiot. And he gets this directly from Dostoevsky. He says this is from uh, this is from the Antichrist, um, Nietzsche's book. He said to make a hero of Jesus. And what? What a worse misunderstanding is the word, and and what a worse misunderstanding is the word genius. Our whole concept, our whole cultural concept, spirit, had no meaning whatever in the world Jesus lived in. To speak with the precision of the uh, physiologist, a quite different word would rather be in place here. The word idiot. We recognize a condition of morbid susceptibility of the sense of touch, which makes it shrink back in horror from every contact, every grasping of a firm object. Um, so yeah, and he takes that. He's this is directly taken from Dostoevsky's *Idiot*. You know, um, but uh, yeah, it, it gets into huge questions. But I think I think. Russell Brand's right on um, attacking Peterson in that way. Like, what if you're trying to say that you represent a traditional viewpoint um, and even a Christian viewpoint, then there's no way you could enter the culture war in the way Peterson does. You know, in 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 such a partisan way too, right? like a. Um, that there's something else going beyond something else going on, and something that if if Peter if Peterson's not um, doing this intentionally, he's he's missing something. He's missing something huge, and I think the thing that he's missing is the thing that he's missing in in Notes from Underground, right? It, the other fascinating thing to me is is that split between. Like being in civil society and and being a member of society, you know, like and and everyone's accountable to everyone else, and then how that becomes the state, which is this other thing, mm-hmm. which becomes, you know, something that must be contended with, and how where somewhere from city to state you know like that's when when you when you have the temporal force that you 
are being um, controlled by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the state, when the state takes over all human relations, right? And then the state, like in 1984, the state makes human relations impossible, right? By by confusing confusing all of our sense of consensual reality, right? But that's the internet for us. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Where... <laughs> well, it's like... interesting too. Like the that's that was the idea with the internet. If 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 you remember that, like in the in the 90s and stuff like that, people thought, okay, now we have a people's media, right? And now we can have a a forum of all kinds of beliefs and everybody can share their opinion without censorship and we can come to a real understanding of things, right? Like there is an idea of that, that the internet itself could be like a crystal palace, you know? And then and now what has it turned into, you know? It's like, a, it's, it's exactly what is predicted in the notes from underground. It's just like this uh, completely capricious irrational <laughs> like just weirdness you know like a where nobody agrees with anybody and it's just uh well i so it's it's sad because i went through i don't think twitter's gonna die there was a moment when i thought it was dying yeah like it was actually gonna like the lights would go off and there'd be no more twitter at all mm-hmm. uh I don't think that's going to happen, but it is it is kind of changing. And I don't doubt that Elon is attempting to do what he's saying. He does believe in the things that he says, like he does want. Like he believes in this idea of free speech. Yeah, I don't but, know. I don't. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's but it's not it's just bizarre to me because like it does seem like you do have to limit certain things to arrive at a space i don't it that seems so contradictory he uh... but there are there were elements that just cause strife and that make free speech impossible and it seems like they were trying to create things that would that would um limit subversive agents i guess i don't know (laughs) maybe it's impossible either way because like what i'm saying is you need censorship to have freedom and he's saying no you can't have freedom with censorship well, the the latest news, and this is what I'm not up to date with. I don't know the whole Kanye story, but the latest news is that he Kanye's just been banned from Twitter. Did you no, hear that? No, I haven't heard that, but that would be interesting. So, like, there are some places that you can't go with, and it really feels like instead of um, like a committee now, you just have Elon at the controls, and he's <laughs> he's got he's got a lever, and he's like, nope, this guy's banned. Nope, we will reinstate this guy. But so I, I don't trust Kanye, um, not Kanye. I don't know enough about Kanye, but I, I don't trust Elon Musk at all. You know, um, like I, don't, I, I see him as being a uh, like an a egoist. Uh, like a 
like a Philip K. Dick super villain, you know? Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he got kicked. He uh, Musk kicks Kanye West off of Twitter after he posted the star of David merged with the swastika, which is the Raelian symbol, um, which is what. Is, you know, so people are saying maybe Elon Musk is actually a, a high-level Raelian um, or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> so he got he he's he's banned now or suspended at least i don't know how long he's he's suspended for but uh that whole that was hilarious like the oh. whole thing that would not that but before when 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 he said comedy is legal on twitter and then people started making fun of him and he started shutting him down like there's no more you can't do this you have to, if you're going to do comedy, you have to say it's comedy. You can't just make fun of people. That's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> because everyone adopted his, like, it just, it turned, yeah, it was, it was hilarious. Like, he was, he was a bad god for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, what did Kanye say at the beginning? Like, what started this whole thing? Like. Do you know? Do you know what his words were? What he did? I don't know his actual words were, but they they were anti-Semitic in some way. Yeah, yeah. Like you get the sense from some people's commentary that um, they were construed as being anti-Semitic, and then. But, uh, but and I then, thought they were overtly though. They seemed okay. I don't. Okay. Yeah, I, I see, I But what's interesting is Christianity is somewhat anti-semitic anyway yeah it is and that's that's the the greatest irony because jesus was a jew and all the early christians the earliest christians were jews (laughs) but it really transcended that whole And your god is a jew (laughs) (laughs) well so that's what i was that's what i was you know like joyce was trying to say what is a nation who are people yeah like and and you know these irish you you couldn't have He's not Irish, right? Bloom? A Bloom, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't count him as Irish, yeah. (laughs) I think there was something, someone just recently was talking about, like, who is a Briton? And it's, it's not a black guy or, you know, somewhere, some, you know, it's gotta be, so that's what's what's so interesting. It's this conception of who a, a people are. Well, that's what they're doing in Canada, especially with Trudeau. Is um, the answer to that for Canadians is whoever becomes a Canadian, whoever even considers himself as a Canadian, is a Canadian. Um, and 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 Trudeau's just sort of cheering that on, you know. Which yeah. is, I in a way, I like that, you know. It's in a, in a way, I think that's that's good, but it's also like. Uh, um, he's doing it in a way again to divide people intentionally, mm. right? Because he knows uh, a bunch of people aren't aren't comfortable with that idea, you know. Um, for 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 understandable reasons, you know, it's like uh like like people do have traditions in Canada, you know, like they they have their own traditions. Canada was started as whatever by the English and the French and whoever, right? And killed a lot of natives and, you know, but, uh, but it's like, uh, so they're coming from that, that viewpoint and then Trudeau's coming in and trying to, uh, 
trying to act like he's being super inclusive, but in a snarky, smug way that is actually um, dividing people more than ever. You know? And that that ends up smacking of hypocrisy more than anything else, you know, and that's what turns off people more than anything else. Is this like a this approach towards World Economic Forum style, like uh, inclusive capitalism, right? Um, which is just it's 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 entirely hypocrisy, right? And, Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, with all that said, what would you follow this book up with? I don't know. I thought you. Um, I thought you. <laughs> you came up with it. You, the the confidence man. Oh, interesting. I thought that was it. Like that sounded perfect, almost. E- well, it really ties in with so like as we were, I was reading through it as a palate cleanse, like I said, and um, there were moments where I wanted to. It's like was that, was that which book? You know, it's like they're they're similar enough. Uh, let's see, where did my little list of people go we're this 19th century that's kind of capturing our imagination right now Mm. like at one point we were all set to do uh mason and dixon right but you were saying you were thinking that that would be a good spring book yeah okay yeah i've got i've got time maybe so uh that's a giant book confidence man is not as it's big. pretty small compared. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably. I don't published, know. Published 1957, so so a few years before, Notes from Underground. Y- yeah, and he's a little younger than, not by much though, than Dostoevsky. So Melville's really? 1819, but he lived to 1891, and so he lived about 10 years longer. Born a couple years younger. Yeah, he just lived a little longer. But then I didn't realize... I just, in my head, Mark Twain seemed like he was so much older, but he's actually younger than Melville. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so there are all these... (laughs) I started writing down the names because they they start kind of, you know, you've got your Thoreau and your Whitman, mm-hmm. um, and you know they're Emerson. They're all kind of similar aged, and then Melville's actually kind of making fun of some of the transcendentalists in the in the Confidence Man. Oh, that's interesting. That's uh, yeah. I I, uh, I teach a class where we do um, uh, American. Short stories. So we just read uh, Bartleby, the Scrivener. Oh, yeah. Um, which is a great one. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I'm sort of getting more into uh, uh, Melville. Like, I, I've wanted to read this one for a while, too, Confidence Man. 
it's yeah i i've been i started a, a bunch of times starting in about 2016 or 15 but i never really got into it and there's kind of a, a trick to it that seems so obvious that i didn't pick up on but that is really clever <laughs> oh yeah don't yeah, I don't, don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that might be a good. It's his last book, eh? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it says I'm just reading Wikipedia on it. Um, yeah. Precursor to 20th century literary preoccupations with nihilism, existentialism, and absurdism. Oh, that's where we are. That's where we're at. <laughs> don't read too much about the plot though no I'm not going to read anything about the plot um, yeah no I'd be into that one okay let's do it some, uh, have you ever read any Kierkegaard no I'm, yeah I'm not suggesting we read Kierkegaard for this but um, well I was actually thinking about Nietzsche, Nietzsche a little bit like that one popped up for me yeah if we're going to read Nietzsche like well it could be anything but uh, um, Zarathustra would be his most kind of literary one yeah maybe we'll get there I don't I don't know if the, the other one I don't know if you saw but it was in that list of things that were Writers Job has inspired or influenced include John Milton, Dostoevsky, Alfred Dubin, and he wrote this book called Berlin Alexanderplatz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I, I don't know that book, but I've, I've come across people talking about that one. Well, it's interesting because although its narrative style is sometimes compared to that of James Joyce. They've drawn a distinction between Ulysses' interior monologue and Berlin's use of montage. Mm. So it's interesting because it's 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 a modernist thing, and like so we we were doing our modernist thing a while back, but um, it's it's a curiosity to me because uh, yeah. You know, it's like the same time, but a different culture. So it was published in 1929. Mm. Yeah, so that, um, yeah, that, that might be an interesting one to look at, too. Yeah, but um, not necessarily this time, but, um, you know, you never know. Uh, it has a strange... plot you know like uh concerns a guy who just came out of prison and he's trying to you know be good but he falls in with some a bad crowd and so i don't know so yeah that sounds <laughs> like um uh, that sounds like similar to the uh the devils in a way like the devils well, so is sort of <laughs> there's a part of me that like just wants to 
run the whole run run the whole uh Dostoevsky, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At I was least about the, that the too. big ones. Like to um, do crime and punishment, the idiot demons, brothers Karamazov. The I I heard good things about the double. You said you had that one or that you read that one? Yeah. Um yeah, I it, that's part of the I have a one volume set of the notes from underground and the double. So it's it's right there waiting for me. But because uh, apparently, me. like he does a good job of like you don't know if this is an interior part of the the double or if it's an actual another like he's confronting another individual. Like it's it's yeah, it's not listed as one of his great ones. It's it's sort of it's an earlier book he did. I mm-hmm. think before his he was in prison. Yeah, it's from 1940. Uh, sorry, I keep saying 19, 1846. 1846. So it's quite a bit uh, earlier. It's supposed to be a real page turner, though. But the way the way you were pulling quotes out of 1984, I was thinking, oh shoot, do we have to follow this with 1984 now? <laughs> <laughs> There's also Kafka waiting for us too. Like he's another one in the, the wings. Yeah, I think Notes from Underground may have influenced the metamorphosis. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's even that part about talking, like, turning into a bug in Notes from Underground. There's one one line about that. There's such <laughs> well, good things. Like, we we didn't even get into some of the great quotes in, in this book. It's like, but I, I guess we don't need to, but uh, read it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I need to do that, where you, you start putting the little posts in, because there are lots of good, like the ant hills, the ant yeah. hill section. Right. That's good. Uh, Talking about, like, uh, the the split between the men of action and the men of contemplation and calling them mice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll read it's, it's 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 funny. The wretched mouse has by this time accumulated, in addition to the original nastiness, so many other nastinesses in the shape of questions and doubts, and so many other unresolved problems in addition to the original problem that it has involuntarily collected round itself a fatal morass, a stinking bog consisting of its own doubts and agita- agitation, and finally of the spittle rained on it by all the spontaneous men of action standing portentously around as judges and referees and howling with laughter. Of course, nothing remains for it to do but to shrug the whole thing off and creep shamefacedly into its hole with a smile of pretended contempt in which it doesn't even believe itself. <laughs> he says, that's, uh, he's also saying all intellectual activity is a disease. <laughs> Um, but then some of that stuff was reminding me of Yeats, uh, the best lack all conviction Mm. and the, and the worst, I can never remember the second half, the worst. Yeah, I should know this too. I've, I pulled it up because I, while the worst 
are full of passionate, passionate intensity. intensity. Yeah. And so it seems like the underground man kind of positions himself that way. You know, like. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what he says. Like, yeah. He wouldn't call himself the worst, though, but maybe he would know he was the worst. <laughs> well, but so, like, he thinks of himself as the best, and so he's not going to challenge the the lieutenant in the game of chicken because he lacks conviction but he's such a, he's so unreliable too like he thinks he's superior he's the he's the overman even though he's underground mm-hmm. because of his his developed consciousness like he sees he he's not a sheeple right he can see yeah, the yeah, the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> In that tone too. I'm not a sheeple, man. I can see <laughs> the truth. Yeah, but um, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you did you listen to that huge podcast I sent you? It's by um, this podcast called Martyr Made. Um, and it's a comparison between Dostoevsky and Nietzsche. Um, it goes on for hours. I don't know how long it is, but it, it's it's very interesting. I don't I I don't like where this guy's coming from. Basically, I don't even like the sound of his voice or anything. But uh, he's he does tap into all these interesting connections between Nietzsche and uh, Dostoevsky. Like for example, he's um, I don't I don't think this guy has discovered this. He's coming at it from other people, but. Uh, um this book notes from underground uh the underground man decides to finally make his confession at the age of 40 um so he's kind of coming out of the underground at the age of 40 and it was at the age of 40 when zarathustra came out of his cave and starts his downgoing right so oh, this, interesting yeah so, so that's that in the age of 40 of course we know from uh kabbalah like that's the uh, yeah age of maturity or whatever right and then that whole scene of um, in crime and punishment with Raskolnikov, the main character there, um, having this dream of this horse that's brutally beaten on the street. And that was apparently, like there's different accounts of this, but there's, that was apparently the act on the streets of Turin where Nietzsche went mad, finally snapped because he saw this horse being beaten on oh, the street yeah. and rushed up to it and hugged it and stuff. And it almost... Right exactly parallels with crime and punishment um so there's all these these all these bizarre um connections between nietzsche and uh and dostoevsky um, yeah i was feeling that too and and then i was just kind of looking at a really short bio and the guy really disliked nietzsche it was really funny <laughs> Who, who, who did? <laughs> well, so the, on Audible, on my, they have these. Oh, the guy uh, who did the podcast, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can yeah. tell he does. He he really dislikes. Well, not not your guy, but another one that I was interested in. Oh, okay. Uh, so, like a writer who does like blank philosopher in ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a series, and they're they're free, and so. Like, you know, they did a James Joyce and a Virginia Woolf, and I think it's the same guy who, he seems, you know, like he's a good writer. 
and he's got a lot of knowledge, but um, he just really didn't like Nietzsche at all. <laughs> yeah, the, this guy also doesn't seem to like Nietzsche. Like he, he thinks that Nietzsche, like Dostoevsky, he, in his point of view, Dostoevsky, they both arrive at a similar point and Dostoevsky sort of transcends it um, with his traditional traditionalist kind of Christian path. Like this guy's obviously a kind of Petersonian kind of person. Um, and then Nietzsche succumbs to madness. But I think this is this is a thing that's come up with us all the time is that, um, and this is Yeats's ideas, like the, sometimes the artist sacrifices himself for his art, right? And that's, that's kind of what Nietzsche did, you know, so... Um, but he made this, that guy made an interesting suggestion. I don't know if um, it's his idea or it comes from somewhere else. I know Peterson says this too, is that you should read um, Nietzsche alongside of, of Notes from Underground. It's really interesting. But this guy suggested reading Eki Homo by uh, Nietzsche along with um, Notes from Underground and imagining it's the same person who's writing both books. Um, and Eki Homo is sort of, uh, his public book that he's releasing to the public, and then and then the uh, and notes from underground is kind of his private confession, right? So Eke Homo, it's like <laughs> I don't know if you've looked at it. It's like he he's got a chapter. Why am I so wise? <laughs> why am I so clever? <laughs> why why I write such good books? <laughs> and then he goes in through all his books and and goes through them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Nietzsche's great though too. Like I, I uh, yeah, no, I, I, I just love getting into all this stuff and trying to uh, work out the connections between things, people and ideas and historical periods and everything else. And it, and it, and it just like uh, just underscores the fact that literature is timeless. You know, it, it always, it's always talking about now. You know the same ideas always come back and and the words always resonate with uh, what's going on at, at this exact time and that's that's sort of the sync ethos as well right <laughs> like that's the basis of the whole thing um. Why I'm so wise, why I'm so clever, why I write such good books. <laughs> why I write such um, good blog posts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to, at some point, try and understand the whole sync phenomenon slash philosophy slash worldview. Because there, there's... There's something really interesting about how, like, we went through this kind of thing and understood and behaved a certain way, but then can watch other people like the Q phenomenon and completely understand why they believe and think what they believe based on, you know, them reading the signs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or the sinks. Mm. And then, yeah. Uh, this is something that Alex pointed out in a, I don't know, it's just some 
message exchange that we had from a while ago, a few months back, I guess. And he was saying, like, now, um, uh, how, I'm trying to remember exactly how he put it. Like, uh, he's saying um, before, yeah, people were too, people were complaining we were too caught up in sinks and not looking at the conspiracy behind things as much. Like, um, this would be a way back, like years back. But now he said it's the opposite. It's like everybody's looking at conspiracy and nobody's looking at sync anymore. Yeah. Like nobody's nobody's got this this, this bigger picture of Well, it's almost on. like the magic's dead. You know, yeah, like yeah. the the image of Christ is gone and all you're left with is you know that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Like in 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 a in a sense, it's like uh, the whole 2012 thing was kind of our image of Christ in a way. Well, it it was a nice, yeah. Like it it's it had the idea like um, it 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 served that purpose. Like it was something to hold up. It was lofty. Everything was was revolving towards this this point. You know. Um, but it wasn't one. right but maybe we temporalized the point and that yeah. was the problem we literalized it yeah that's i, I think that's that's what um mckenna did too like he, he he tried to make it into a science when it was actually a poetry right yeah yeah that's that's probably yeah but but uh but in retrospect, it seems like it did happen, <laughs> you know. It, it just got, <laughs> that's when it all went insane after that, you know. Like, we didn't even, it, it wasn't a dramatic whatever, you know. It wasn't a dramatic second coming. Like, a, like the sky didn't rip apart or whatever. But uh, it that's when it all just reality fractured, you know, like completely. And it just it it it's just becoming it's it's just this gradual unfolding of well it's still huge like it's still so super fast but it's just this gradual unfolding of like more and more and more unreality or whatever it is like this transcendental object um, coming into display. All right, I think I have to go to bed. I think. I have a lot of work to do in the early morning. Oh, yep. do you know the philosopher named Heine? Nope. Uh, unless I've heard is of it. it Henrik, Henrik Heine? I wonder if that's who he is. How do, My, you, how do you spell the name? H-E-I-N-E. H-E-I-N. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen that. I didn't... Because um... I think the underground man... I was quoting this guy. Yeah, okay. But my... So we didn't talk about translations either. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I was going to ask about... What What were you using? Cause... I was... Well, I started with the, the Constance Garnet translation that I read back in 2010. And and I think I like the newer one better, that the Pivir Voloronsky... This this couple that have been doing all the Russians over the last fifteen years or so. Oh uh, yeah, I'm just using this old Penguin Books one by Jesse Coulson. Yeah, I don't know who that is? 
But there's definitely like, so almost all of them have the second word as I'm a spiteful man. Yeah, you were. And, and I read I'm a wicked man. Uh, mine is I'm a sick man. I'm an angry man. I'm an unattractive man. I think there's something wrong with my liver. Yeah. I'm a sick man. I'm a wicked man and an unattractive man. What about, however, I don't know a fig about my sickness. A fig? Okay. I don't understand. He uses fig a number thing. of times. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's got fig in there. Maybe, maybe that's a direct translation. But then uh, this guy had a big, long interest in, uh, introduction about their choices. So, because like, you know how uh, there was the part where he's arguing in terms of what is in your best interest. Mm -hmm. And the word that kept repeating for that was profit. Mm. You know, will it profit a man? Mm -hmm. And yeah, so yeah. There, there's kind of this business sense to it, but also... Um, it was it was just interesting that profit was so like that was one of the guy's arguments is that people think Dostoevsky was kind of a bad writer and it's like no the the narrator was a bad writer he was kind of a dilettante oh okay yeah oh uh, yeah yeah it's, that's right that's right so you you can't even judge the style of Dostoevsky's writing it's like a if unless like if it's very intentional like he's intentionally writing like you know an insult <laughs> yeah yeah it's like uh yeah um uh house of leaves or something right like <laughs> yeah yeah or like uh i'm thinking of david mitchell he's an english writer Mm -hmm. And he mimics styles a lot. James Joyce, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that the whole Ulysses is like all these different styles yep. he's taking yeah. on and mastering. Joyce, Joyce said he could write in any style possible, like any any writing style he could write. <laughs> I'm reading um, uh, Saint Augustine now, City of God. It's a massive book, eight hundred <laughs> pages. And that it, it's such an interesting book, you know. It's a well. I almost feel like I want to just dip my toe back into Job again before I do anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's short enough. Yeah. Did you, did you watch any of that stuff you sent about? There was like a, Ru a Russian production of uh, Notes from Underground. No. So no. like there's there's the there's a version of the trial with Kyle McLaughlin. Mm -hmm. And I'm more apt to watch that one. I don't know if if the Notes from Underground would translate to film. Yeah, it'd be hard, yeah. Cause they make it like a video diary. So mm -hmm. he's like recording a video diary. I just watched the very beginning and it just seems like so much of this is in in his mind. I don't know what it'd be like to have like his actual body walking around and saying the words. Yeah. Cause it puts, I guess it would put a lot more importance on the actual interaction with the whore, which in this 
instances, Cheryl Lee from Twin Peaks, the oh. Laura, Laura Palmer. So that's why I thought it was funny because in the 90s, all these people were making movies. And so you had the trial and notes from underground with Twin Peaks people. <laughs> yeah, you could do the second half of the book, um, I guess. Maybe. But then he to do it right you you know like you need a 40 year old and a 24 year old you'd need him at the beginning you need to frame it at the beginning maybe him going through some monologues or something uh-huh yeah it'd be hard hmm all right yeah should we go um we should we should go um you think about what you want to read next? I like confidence. all the all the things you said. Confidence Man sounds good. I, I'll, okay. I'll, look out, I'll look out for that book. It's, yeah, um, it's it's free all over too online. I don't know if you could read on a screen or not. No, I can't. I, I I'll try to get a hard copy somewhere. I should be able to. I think that's pretty easy, I guess. But um. okay. Well, yeah, uh, we'll I, I've yeah. got a big, big weekend. I'm going to see uh, Black Midi. Do you know that group? No. English group. Crazy. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what to describe their music as. They're just, they're very young. You know, like they they look like little kids or something, but uh, it's it's great music. Um, they're called Black Midi? Yeah. They get called math rock or post hardcore or even free jazz <laughs> or, noise or all kinds of different things. Are they from Japan? They're from London. Okay. It's a bit, this will be the first um, COVID, post COVID concert that I've been to. So I'm kind of interested. Yeah. All right. Well, this had been fun. Uh, it was a really good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I don't know if we'll get anyone interested in the compass man, but <laughs> that's okay. It, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Might segue into the big one. Moby well, we Dick. If we can do it. But... <laughs> Moby yeah. Dick is. It, uh, yeah. That gets into all the Gnosticism stuff, which we can go on forever about that. All right. Well, you have a good night. Yep. You too. Let's talk again. All right. All right. See you, Doug. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Go your own way.
steps up.